Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Clint Capella is gone. Robert Covington is in. Welcome to another installment of Believe in the Rockets. Installment of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, reporting to you one day after a crazy and busy NBA trade day line that took place on Thursday. Um, it was a crazy busy week for the Houston Rockets. The week got kicked off with some rumors going around that the Rockets were interested in trading Clint Capella to an Eastern Conference team. And it ended with Capella no longer being part of this organization. The Houston Rockets finally getting their guy in Robin Covington, as well as making an extremely huge statement by saying they are committed to playing to small ball. So with that being said, right off the bat, I personally am not a big fan of the moves that the Rockets did this past week. And that's not surprising if you know me, if you have been keeping up with this podcast over the past couple of weeks. I have been saying over and over again that I wanted to see the Houston Rockets add some size, but they went the complete opposite way. So I'm not going to let this episode be me ranting about the Houston Rockets making a huge entire mistake. I decided to take a couple days after the Rockets made that big massive trade on Tuesday. I took a couple days and I wanted to just find three positives of what I liked about this deal. And also three negatives of what I did not like about this deal. Now, the negatives that I have about what the Rockets did this past week will be based off of what they did against the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. As I'm recording this episode right now, the Rockets has just finished their game against the Los Angeles Lakers. And there are some things that still concerns me because at the end of the day, I am still on the bandwagon by saying I don't believe the small ball lineup is going to work. So before getting into the negatives, I do want to start with the positives on what I like most about the moves the Rockets made this week. And before getting into that, I do want to remind you guys to please remember to subscribe to Believe in the Rockets on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. The madness of the NBA trade deadline began late Tuesday night when the Houston Rockets decided to part ways with Clint Capella, Nene, Gerald Green, and their 2020 first-round draft pick in a four-way massive deal between them, the Nuggets, the Hawks, and the Timberwolves. In this massive trade, the Houston Rockets received Robin Covington, Jordan Bell, and a second-round pick in which they later flipped to the Memphis Grizzlies in return for Bruno Caboclo. I hope I'm saying that last name right. If not, please forgive me. I'm going to call him Bruno because that is an extremely easy name to pronounce. So I'm going to na- I'm going to call him Bruno. 
if his mama named him Bruno, I'm going to call him Bruno. <laughs> but back to the trade talks. Um, these were the moves that Daryl Morey and the Rockets completed this past week. And like I mentioned before, I am not the biggest fan of what they did. You gave up Clint Capella, a reliable big man who was a lob threat, a rebounder, uh, a defensive anchor, just to double slash triple down on your small ball play. But like I mentioned, I wanted to take some time and look at the positives of what the Houston Rockets did here. And the biggest positive of what the Rockets did this week was the fact that this team mirrors a lot of what Mike D'Antoni had during the mid-2000s with the Phoenix Suns. Now, granted, that was a team that did feature Amari Stoudemire, and at the time, he was one of the best big men in the league. But what made him such a perfect fit for that Phoenix Suns team was the fact that he was a guy who was extremely athletic, and he was able to run up and down the court with Steve Nash and Sean Marion. And not only that, he did have a solid mid-range game, so he did not clog up the paint as much as a Clint Capella did. So it seems like Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni said, okay, we're going to take what you did in Phoenix, we're going to flip that one big man that you had on that roster, and we're going to find another perimeter defender who, at the end of the day, can not only defend the perimeter, but also do a solid job defending positions one through five. And that is what made Robin Covington such a desirable asset to acquire this week. With Covington alone on a defensive end, playing alongside a P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, and even Russell Westbrook and James Harden to a certain extent, because there might not be your top-tier defensive players, but don't get it twisted. Harden and Westbrook, especially Harden down on a low post, they have established themselves as solid defenders in this league. And you also have to take into consideration that Harden and Westbrook are not a defensive liability like Steve Nash was. With that being said, you can actually make an argument that this Houston Rockets team, the one that they built this week, is a better defensive team than what Mike D'Antoni had in Phoenix. Because there were several series in the mid-2000s where Phoenix could have advanced past the Mavericks and the San Antonio Spurs if they were able to make some key defensive stops. And I guarantee you, the key stops that that team was not able to make, this Houston Rockets team would have a better chance at succeeding. And the funniest part about this whole entire situation is the fact that this might be Mike D'Antoni's best defensive team of his career. And I only say Mike due to the fact that that team he had in New York with Tyson Chandler, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, that team was pretty good on the defensive end as well. I'm not sure if they're going to match up to that aspect of it, but this team should not be slept on on the defensive end. But in the words of Mike D'Antoni, the other team has to be able to outscore and outrun the Houston Rockets. And with them not having a traditional big on the court, I do find it very hard for any team to outscore and outrun the Rockets in any aspects of the game. As of right now, the Rockets are currently the second fastest team in the league, only trailing the Milwaukee Bucks. But I do believe with them going extremely small and playing such a small ball lineup on a daily basis, by the end of the season, this team will be the fastest team in the league. 
And for a squad who is currently shooting 34% as a whole, the addition of Robert Covington can only increase the Rockets' chances of making more three-point baskets just due to the fact that he alone is a career 36.6% three-point shooter from beyond the arc. So without Clint Capella there clogging up the lane, making it just a little bit more harder when James Harden and Russell Westbrook is driving to the basket, that one scenario of replacing Capella for Covington has just made the Rockets' offense a little bit more lethal because now it's up to the opposing team to pick their potion on which defensive scheme they would like to stick to. Because when Westbrook and Harden are driving to the lane, nobody's going to stop them one-on-one, which means they're going to have to collapse the defense and draw a double team, which has the opportunity to create a three-point basket coming from either Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, Ben McLemore, possibly Austin Rivers... He is not the most reliable three-point shooter. But you decide to replace him with Robert Covington, a guy who is shooting close to 40% from behind the arc throughout his career. And I don't know about you guys, but the biggest positive to me with the Rockets getting Robert Covington is the fact that they were able to find that one missing ingredient that is keeping them from being that true championship contender, not only in the Western Conference, but in the entire league. It's similar to cooking in a way. We all have been there before. You're in the midst of cooking your, your, your dinner, and in the midst of whipping up your meal, you realize you are missing a very important ingredient. But because it's not the main ingredient that you're missing, you decide either A, you're going to substitute it for something else, or B, you're just not going to worry about it. And then when the meal is done, it still looks good. It still smells good. But when you taste it, when you taste it, it doesn't truly have the same taste. And you're sitting there saying to yourself, man, if only if I had that one ingredient, this meal would have turned out so much better. And I do believe that is the same situation that has been going on with the Houston Rockets ever since Trevor Ariza walked out that door during the summer of 2018. Because I don't know about you guys, I always felt that this Houston Rockets team, this era of Houston Rockets basketball, has always been at its best when they had a reliable 3 and D player. That 3 and D player was Trevor Ariza. And ever since he left, just about every single move that Daryl Morey did, it was always like he was trying to substitute something in order to replace what Trevor Ariza left nearly two years ago. And going back to the example of cooking, you know how after you make that bad batch, not only are you determined to make sure you have all the ingredients needed to make sure that the next batch is better, you go out and get the higher quality, a better brand of what you normally get. That is what the addition of Covington is. He is just the better version of Trevor Ariza. A 29-year-old forward standing 6'7 with a wingspan of 7'2, who is currently averaging 13 points per game and and 5.5 rebounds per game. And it's also worth mentioning that this is the same guy who received all defensive first-team honors in 2018. So when it comes to naming some of the best 3 and D players this league has to offer, it truly doesn't get any better than Robert Covington. 
And as for the addition of Bruno, I personally do not know what to expect from him. He is 6'9", so he's going to provide some kind of size for this undersized Rockets team. And I'm not going to lie, I have a personal vendetta against him because I had just finished my post on the dream shake on what the Houston Rockets could expect from Jordan Bell. And as soon as I put the very last period, as soon as I got done, news broke that the Rockets decide to flip him to Memphis. And this is a guy in Jordan Bell who I was truly getting excited about, knowing the fact that when he plays more than 15 minutes a game, he can produce averaging six and a half points, five and a half rebounds, and one and a half blocks per game. So once again, I do not know what to expect from Bruno, but I do know that the Rockets were able to add a guy who has a 7-for-7 wingspan. Hopefully this is something that they can use and put to good use in helping clean up the glass. But at the end of the day, I'm not too sure if we're going to see that much of Bruno just due to the fact that if the Houston Rockets need a big to play, I highly doubt he's going to play over the likes of Isaiah Hardenstein and Tyson Chandler. Those were my thoughts, my positive thoughts on what the Rockets did during the NBA trade deadline. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, you gave up three players and a draft pick in order to get Robin Covington. But this is a guy who has the potential to unlock how dangerous this team can truly be. Speaking of dangerous, now I want to talk about the negative side of one playing small ball and two giving up Clint Capella nearly every single positive that I touched on during the first segment is the main reason why the Houston Rockets came away victorious in a 121-111 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers it was a tremendous performance by Russell Westbrook who recorded a game high 41 points to go along with eight rebounds and five assists after a terrible shooting performance against the Charlotte Hornets on Tuesday, Eric Gordon connected on five three-point baskets to add in 15 points. Robert Covington, in his debut as a Houston Rocket, recorded 14 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two blocks, two steals, and had the highest plus-minus with plus 16. Nearly everyone except for James Harden, unfortunately, had a pretty solid game tonight. And to be honest, I actually like what I saw from the Rockets Thursday night in comparison to the three-game winning streak that they came into Los Angeles with. The performance they had against the Lakers kind of changed my opinion by saying, hey, at the end of the day, maybe this style of play will work. Because yes, they did come into Los Angeles on a three-game winning streak, but at the end of the day, they was playing against a depleted Dallas Mavericks team. They was playing against a young New Orleans Pelicans team who is still trying to figure out how to play with Zion Williamson. And then they played against a not-so-very-good Charlotte Hornets team. But the way they came out and performed against the Lakers is really starting to change my mind. One of my biggest pet peeves I had when I realized the Rockets were going all-in on this small ball style of play was the fact that they were okay losing the battle of the boards. And on Monday, Mike D'Antoni said he's not worried about rebounding. He's more worried about giving up too many second-chance points. And I'm sitting there, and, and while he's talking, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, if you do not get the rebound, teams are going to get plenty of second-chance points on you. But ladies and gentlemen, the Houston Rockets, 
with the heart and the hustle. They came out and performed. The Lakers only won the rebounding battle by one, 38-37, and the Rockets only gave up 11 second-chance points. And to make matters even worse, five of the 11 second-chance points came in the first half. A first half that the way Anthony Davis came out, I thought for sure he was about to go for 80 points. But just like Mike D'Antoni said, if you box out and hustle, that will limit a lot of second-chance points opportunities, and that will also limit a lot of rebounding opportunities for the opposite team. But although I am starting to warm up to this new style of play, there are still a few areas of concerns I have with the Rocket small ball. And I'm going to start with my biggest concern, and that is, is this style of play sustainable throughout a seven-game series? Now, we all know when it comes to the playoffs, the game slow down. Teams actually have several opportunities to adjust to your game plan. And while I was sitting there watching the game, taking down some notes, it dawned on me. If this was a seven-game series between the Rockets and the Lakers, and this was game one, could the Rockets have duplicated this performance in game two, in game three, four, five, all the way up to game seven? And what made this such a success during Thursday night's win is the fact that the Houston Rockets shot 45% from behind the arc. And yes, that is remarkable, but at the end of the day, can you trust this team to shoot close to 50% during a seven-game playoff series? My only concern about this is, what do the Houston Rockets do when the shots are not falling? Do you keep shooting? Do you have more players drive to the basket? Because we've seen in tonight, when James Harden and Russell Westbrook are driving to the basket, that draws a double team, and you could kick it out to a wide-open three-point shooter. But once again, if those open shots do not fall like it did for Eric Gordon on Tuesday night, what do you do next? You don't have a bid you could dump the ball down to and get you a quick two-point basket. I personally do believe that the only way that this can work is if the Houston Rockets can continuously shoot over 40% from behind the arc. Another concern that I have is with Houston giving up so much on the defensive end, we saw how easy it was for Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, whoever was in the paint. We saw how easy it was for them to score. But just like Mike D'Antoni says, you have to outscore the Rockets. But my only issue with that is, I do believe that is putting too much pressure on the Rockets' offense because it seems like they're okay giving up an easy layup, giving up an easy dunk. But in order for that game plan to work, they have to make sure that they go down and score on the very next possession because there was a moment midway through the fourth quarter when I really thought the Los Angeles Lakers was really about to take this game and run away with it. Alice Caruso scored a three-point field goal. The next several basket by the Lakers came from inside the paint. Before you knew it, Los Angeles was on an 11-3 run 
and had taken the lead. My biggest takeaway from that was the Rockets are the number one team in the league who cannot afford multiple scoreless possessions. Because if they are going to give up easy basket after easy basket after easy basket inside the paint, they have to make sure that they score on the next possession in order for Mike D'Antoni's philosophy to work. Because without a defensive anchor protecting the paint, the Rockets can easily lose any kind of lead at a blink of an eye. The last concern I have with the Houston Rockets with their small ball style of play is one that's not really too, too big, but it can end up hurting the Houston Rockets in the long run. That concern is foul trouble. Now, while Houston will be playing small majority of the nights, they are going to have multiple games where their key players end up in foul trouble. In this game against the Lakers, four players picked up four or more fouls, while James Harden and Russell Westbrook committed five. I do believe the foul trouble will hurt the Rockets in the long run, especially in the playoffs, because there are going to be moments where you're going to have to take out James Harden. You're going to have to take out Russell Westbrook, P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington. You're going to have to take these guys out because you don't want them to foul out. Let's say, for example, the game has only been on for five minutes and James Harden or Russell Westbrook has already picked up their third foul. You're going to basically have to sit them for the rest of the first half. And if that takes place, that is going to throw a wrench into your whole entire game plan. And yes, I am aware that picking up three fouls in five minutes is extremely highly unlikely. But it wasn't that long ago we did watch Russell Westbrook pick up two fouls in five minutes against the Los Angeles Clippers. But at the end of the day, the Houston Rockets need to make sure that one they're smart on the defensive end and not picking up ticky-tack fouls because when you play small ball like they're doing right now, that is the very likable outcome. Ticky-tack fouls on big players. All in all, I like what I saw from this team against the Lakers Thursday night. And once again, it's all about if they can continue to not only shoot the basketball at a successful rate, but if they continue playing good on the defensive end. I like what I saw from Robert Covington. I like the defensive performance I saw from Eric Gordon, Ben McLemore, you name it, just about every single player played really well on the defensive end. And we know outside of three-point shooting, we know this team is going to run. It's going to be interesting to see what the second half of the season has in store for not only the Rockets, but for us as fans. And hopefully this is something to where... I will have to come on air and say, I'm going to eat my words. I was completely wrong. But with the buyout market opening up in the next couple of weeks, I do believe that Daryl Morey and the Rockets, they're going to sign some kind of reliable big man, probably a stretch four or a stretch five. I do not continue seeing them playing this style of play every single game for every single minute, every single second. So I do believe that Daryl Morey has something up his sleeves in the buyout markets. I can't wait to see what that is. Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. Once again, I am your host, Cody Davis. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition. Man, this has been a lot of work over the last couple of days, and I'm very excited that I was able to get not one, but two shows out for you guys this week. 
And um, I can't wait to see what the future has in store for not only the Houston Rockets in general, but for this podcast. This is possibly installment five, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, long story short, please remember to subscribe to Believe in the Rockets on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Once again, I'm your host, Cody Davis, credential media member covering your Houston Rockets for SB Nation, the Dream Shake. Please remember to follow me on Twitter, Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Why 24? Because Kobe the GOAT. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.